This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Cutting into my sermon time. Come on. <laughs> Man, it is so cool to be here. Look at all you people. Where'd you come from? I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's always fun to be with people who love Jesus and especially those who aren't afraid to show it, you know. I, uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm so thankful for Michael and Jessica and their, their whole tribe, their family. It's just so fun, fun to connect here and it's fun to see what God's doing. Thanks for showing up. I'd have been happy just to be with these two, but I'm glad you came too. So, so let's, uh, let's see if we can have some fun while we're at it. Um, I usually have something important to read. <clears throat> Number one, going to bed early. Number two, not leaving my house. Number three, not going to a party. My childhood punishments have become my adult goals. <laughs> this, this is very unpolitically correct, but I'll try it one more time, see if I suffer too badly for it. I was walking past the mental hospital the other day. All the patients were shouting, 13, 13, 13. The fence was too high to see over, but I saw a little gap in the plank, so I looked through to see what was going on. Some idiot poked me in the eye with a stick, and they all started shouting, 14, 14. <laughs> it, maybe it's my third grade sense of humor, but I just, I just think that is so funny. All right, I have so many. I know you came for this. That's why I'm working hard to, uh, to help you out. You know, uh, the Catholic school was having problems with the young ladies who were starting to wear lipstick and they'd press their lips up against the mirror. And that was a real chore for the custodian to clean every night. And uh, of course, Sister Mary uh, talked to the girls about it, told them that that's something they shouldn't be doing. That didn't stop them at all. So she finally called for a meeting in the girls' bathroom with all the uh, young ladies. They all squeezed in there, and she talked to them and gave them another sermon on how wrong it was for them to put the lipstick on, press their lips against the mirror. They yawned with boredom. And then, he, then she, in wisdom, turned to the custodian and said, George, would you please show these girls how hard it is to clean the mirrors? And he took the squeegee and he dipped it into the toilet. <laughs> and then he began to wash the mirror. And, you know, they never had another lip print on the mirror. On the mirror again. All right, all right. Um, did you know that you owe God answers to prayer? That's enough. See, see you next time I come. It's, it's actually true. He's created, 
forgive me for making this sound too uh, much like a formula, but he's created a system whereby we see breakthrough happen. Any lack is never on his end of the equation. Jesus never taught us how to deal with unanswered prayers because he didn't have any. invited us into a relational journey where in partnership that is expressed in conversation, he in response manifests the reality of his will in the earth. It's not a broken system. He invites us into a relational journey where we, we get to learn how to bring about his purposes in the earth. That's what it's all about. It's all about Jesus being glorified as the Lord of the whole earth. He's brought us into a relationship that because the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead took up residence in us, it's actually possible for there to be an accurate representation of Jesus in the earth. It's not a pipe dream. When the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead took up residence in you and in me, all of heaven positioned themselves to see what we would do with what we've been given. Sometimes we actually embrace guilt and shame when we don't get a breakthrough because it's just an easier route than finding out why there wasn't a breakthrough. Guilt and shame just kind of soothes us uh, in the midst of disappointment. Well, it must be my fault. I'm not spiritual enough. I didn't fast enough. Some, something. We find some reason to blame. And yet the Lord has actually designed us to bring him glory through answered prayers, and he's already to de- determined to do so. For me to beg God for a breakthrough is for me to assume I have greater compassion for a situation than he does. So we're invited into this relational journey where he has this tremendous passion to display his world into this one. It's just a personal conviction. We know of the Great Commission in uh, Matthew 28. Excuse me. We know of the Great Commission going to all the world, preach the gospel. My personal conviction is that that Great Commission is a part of a greater commission. And the greater commission is, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So automatically there's a relational context and it's family. Everything that has to do with the kingdom has to do with family. Once you divorce it from the concept of family, you're not in kingdom anymore. You're in an institution or a business. Our Father, Lord in heaven, so here's this partnership, heaven to earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Part of that will is for the evangelization of all the nations to bring people to Christ. That's one of the major, major expressions. We know that his heart is for the lost. There's absolutely no question. 
but that is actually an expression of his overriding decree for us, that through the partnership of prayer, we would actually see his will break into the reality of this world. And we would see a manifestation of the heart and will of God on earth mirroring the reality of heaven. That's the, that's the mandate. It's the mandate we carry. So everything fits into that expression. We have a lifetime to learn how to cooperate with him. For example, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Incidentally, his righteousness is not in addition to the kingdom. He's emphasizing an aspect of the kingdom. <clears throat> Romans 14 verse 17 says, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy. So the kingdom of God is righteousness. So when he says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, he's drawing extra attention to that place of right standing <clears throat> where we accurately represent Jesus in our behavior. People will often say, well, the, <clears throat> the grace of God qualifies me to stand before God uh, as Jesus, and that is true. But any, any idea of grace that doesn't lead to holy living is not grace. It's not grace. Grace, the nature of grace is it empowers us. It doesn't empower us to get away with stuff. It empowers us to become like Jesus. That's the function of grace. It's the enabling presence of God. That's what grace is. So here we have this, <clears throat> this emphasis that uh, is made in, uh, uh, by Jesus in this prayer. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the reality of God's dominion, kingdom, king's domain, the reality of his rulership. So when he, when he talks to a tormented person in Matthew 12, 28, he says, if I cast a demon out of you by the spirit of God, that shows how he ministered. He did everything according to the work of the Holy Spirit through him, who revealed to him what the father was saying, what the father was doing. The connection was the spirit of God. He says, if I cast a demon out of you by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God came upon you. So what did he do there? He, every, everybody sees the tormented person. They see the person get free, but they don't know how or why it happened. And so he just described what's happening in the unseen. In the unseen realm, there was a dominion from another world that was released upon this tormented person, and now they are in their right mind. The reason it happened is because there's an unseen kingdom that is superior to the visible kingdom. Paul said what you can see is temporal, what you can't see is eternal. So faith is never anchored in the visible because that's an inferior reality. Faith is anchored in what you cannot see. It lives from the reality of his rulership towards the, prob the problems, afflictions, issues of life. We live from the reality of God's perfect rule towards problems, and that's where, what we've been assigned to. The presence of God in our lives is to bring about certain results. In the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 38, <clears throat> There's this verse, in fact, whenever the clock is 10.38, if I'm driving, I turn my attention towards the Lord. If I'm at home, I stop, I give attention, I quote the verse, I do something where I acknowledge this verse, and I, I, and I get two chances a day. 
10.38 in the morning and 10.38 at night. <laughs> to stand before the Lord and to celebrate, to honor, to quote Acts 10.38, which is, he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. For God, when God is with you, something is expected to happen that is impossible. Impossibilities are expected to yield. That's our assignment. Most people find out what they're good at and they call that their ministry. <clears throat> what we're good at is supposed to be the sail that we host, that hoist, that the breath of God can blow and take us into realities, experiences, and breakthroughs that we can't get through our natural gifting. So he says, he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. In other words, he did this because God was with him. You ever study that whenever God says, and I will be with you? Well, just look at it all, all through the Bible. There's so many times he said, and I will be with you. Every time that I could find where he said, and I will be with you, it followed an impossible assignment. Every time he says, and I will be with you. <laughs> it's good that you know that because I just told you to do something you can't do. You know, and so he, he has this habit of assigning us stuff that's impossible, guaranteeing we'll have to trust him and develop a relationship to accomplish the assignment. It's written into the code of our assignment. It's impossible without the relationship. So he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the reality of, of God's rule. I grew up, I don't know why, I grew, up, I grew up thinking that was a prayer to go to heaven. I don't remember anybody ever teaching that, but I just thought, you know, I, I grew up at a time when the church didn't expect much. We had greater faith in the return of Christ than we did in the power of the gospel. The great salvation is him coming back to rescue us from the big bad devil instead of actually having a confidence that the power of the gospel can transform up an individual so therefore it can transform a family. If it can transform a family, it can transform a family line. If it can transform a family line, it can transform a city. If it can do a city, it can do a state. You get the point. Jesus didn't put limitations on the effect of the gospel. He didn't say this much and no more. He actually had a limitless invitation to co-labor with him to see his reality expressed here on earth. Are you saying, Bill, there's, there's no limit? No, I think there is. I, he just didn't tell us what it was. I'm waiting for him to say, calm down, Bill, calm down. Don't, no more, no more. But he hasn't said it yet, so we're still going for it. <clears throat> You know, we, we couldn't experience the full expression of His glory because literally our bodies would give way. We'd, we'd fry, we'd crispy critters in a moment, you know. So, so I do think there's limitation, but He just didn't set any. How many of you have heard the phrase, it's a wonderful phrase, by the way, kingdom now, but not yet. Anybody heard that phrase? It's very helpful, helpful for me in, in the early years, just realizing that, that, you know, we don't get it all now. 
But here's the tragedy to me. The not yet has become the hiding place for our unbelief. Instead of to press in to find out what's possible, it's just easier to say this is one of those not yet moments. When in fact Jesus established a different example for us than what we've experienced. Can't get away from the fact he healed everyone who came to him. I can't get away from the fact he healed everyone the Father sent him to. Those two realities are absolute 100% of the time. <laughs> he never, you know, had a blind guy come to him and said, oh man, you should have been here yesterday. <laughs> Such an anointing for blindness. You missed it, man. I don't know, I'll let you know when it comes again, you know. <clears throat> he just didn't function that way. He was, he, was, he was perfectly in tune with the heart of the Father and invites us to do the same. The inability to do that well is not an occasion for guilt or shame, because then that is the turning of our attention from the source of life and the source of faith to the absolute source of everything that's wrong. Has anybody ever gone introspective and come out encouraged? <laughs> never, never. It's never happened in the history of mankind, you know. Nobody's gone inward and come out going, wait till you, <laughs> wait till you see what I'm about to do. You know? I mean, it's just never happened. It's never happened. So the Lord invites us into this relational journey where he actually has intentions, he has dreams. He has desires. Sometimes believers will carelessly say whatever he wants, he'll make sure it happens and it's just, that's not true. There are two words in the New Testament for the will of God. One is that which, that which is concrete. It has been settled. There's nothing you can do, nothing I can do to change it. For example, Jesus is coming back. You can believe in it, not believe in it, really doesn't matter. He's going to do it anyway. It's been settled. But the Scripture also talks about his dream, his desire. When, when Paul introduced himself, I forget which, which book, he introduced himself frequently on, uh, in the beginning of an epistle, uh, Paul, uh, the apostle of God, by the, by the will of God, the apostle by the will of God. I was looking at one uh, yesterday or day before, and it's, it's actually the other word, the word that means desire. It's kind of like the dream of God. This is what he really wants to happen. Perhaps a great example of that, the scripture says, God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. God has not pre predetermined for everyone to perish. He's not done that. His desire is for people to come to repentance. Is everybody coming to repentance? No. Is it the will of God? Yes. So you can't assume in some of those matters where God, especially where God has given us commission and given us assignment that it's just going to happen whether we cooperate or not. I, I don't, I personally just don't buy into that. We have a responsibility. So he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the reality of his dominion in any situation. So it's not a prayer then to go to heaven. It's not a prayer, God, I want to be right with you so that when you return or I die, I breathe my last, I'm, I'm pleasing to you. It's, it's not that kind of a prayer. It's a prayer that says, um, there's a problem in my family. So I'm going to seek first the reality of God's dominion. I want to know his will, his purposes, and I want his presence to come and to manifest that dream of his for my household in this situation. 
There's a business that's going under. There's a, a disease in, in, in my body. Whatever it might be, I'm seeking first. The first priority is the reality of His world to be fully expressed in the situation that we're facing. There's a conflict with a friend. doesn't matter what it is. We're looking first for the reality of that world to influence this one. And then he says, and all these things will be added to you. And the entire Christian life is a test. It's not a test to prove us wrong. It's a test of measurement to see what we can carry. Every day of our life, we are, we are measured to see what we can carry. If he puts, you understand the word glory is the word weight, weightiness. <clears throat> Too much the, of the weightiness of, of the presence of God, the purposes of God, the uh, will of God, seeing breakthroughs, etc. Too much of the weightiness of his world on, on a fractured life will crush it. But on an established life, excuse me, on a, uh, on a, uh, on a life that is, is uh, in perfect obedience for that season, it establishes them. So it's like it either crushes or establishes. So Jesus said in John 16, he says, he said, I have so many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. So think through that with me. It's in John 16, I have so many things to say to you. This is amazing because he's got stuff on his heart he wants to talk about, but he can't. Because every time he speaks, he creates. And he doesn't want to create something over a people that don't have the weight-carrying capacity. He doesn't want to expose fracture or weakness inappropriately. He wants to do it through process. And so somebody will get a great answer to prayer, and as they give the testimony, when they make sure that they're at the center of the story, it's just revealed the measure of glory that that person can carry. And when in false humility, they refuse to mention their own name in the story, they've also re revealed what measure they can carry. It's not, it's not an issue for punishment. It's not an issue of uh, somehow mockery or any of that. It's just the Lord's constantly measuring to see what can I carry? What can I carry responsibly and bring forth increase? That's the whole point. Jesus makes a horrible socialist. because he's always looking for increase. And for the one who's not producing, he takes what they have and give it to the one who has the most. Just wanted to get something political in, in, into the evening. Now I feel better, now we can move on. So Jesus says, I have so many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. Because whenever he spoke in John six, he says, whenever he spoke, his words became spirit and that spirit gave life. So his words became presence. It's important we understand the nature of this kingdom that we live in, that we are all citizens of. Jesus is revealed in John 1 verse 14. He's revealed as the word of God made flesh, but whenever he talks, the word of God is made spirit. People tell me, I love Jesus, I just don't like the Bible. I say, well, slap yourself, that's, that's stupid. 
This is Jesus in print. I like all of it, even the maps. <laughs> and the table of contents, all of it. I just like it all. It's just all good. Well, I don't remember what I read. So? I don't remember what I had for lunch last Friday either. But it still nourished me. I don't like to pray because I always fall asleep when I pray. I never got mad at my kids when they fell asleep in my arms. I always hoped they would. So he invites us into this relational journey where he lays down the guidelines, if you will. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, extra focus on you becoming in character a representation of who he is. So the seeking first the kingdom is primarily expressions of power. So he draws an emphasis on character because character carries power well. That's why Galatians says, faith works through love. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The problem is is once you start seeking first the kingdom and the things start getting added, it's easy to turn the affection from the unseen world of the kingdom to the things that are added. And then you start seeing how you can how you can best maneuver in this thing called the gospel to increase in the things that are added. It's not a time for shame. It's not a time for guilt. It's not a time for punishment. It's just God sees and he goes, all right, I can only give them this measure because this measure of the kingdom brings this result and they're they're starting to weaken and crumble under the weightiness of the blessing I've brought into their life. The attention is very easy to turn to, uns, to, to the natural things, to the visible world. I personally think we're supposed to enjoy life. We're supposed to enjoy nature. We're supposed to enjoy this, this, this natural life. I, I feel like I have an obligation to celebrate whatever he does for me in the natural world. I, I didn't used to. I didn't have the liberty to do that. I just would kind of, I was thankful, but I, I, just, I just felt it was carnal. But as I, as I get older, I I just think about my life with my own kids, with my family. My birthday is July 18th. It should be a national holiday. (laughs) And uh, my whole family just, you know, everybody travels. And uh, and when, at my birthday, we get the whole family together, the grandkids, the children, spouses, everybody, and all 18 of us, and we, we get together at my house and we have a birthday party where I give everybody in my family gifts. I give the children gifts, the spouses, my grandkids, and, and it's just like Christmas, you know. I'm, I, I hear them talking throughout the year, and, and my name, my birthday is right there under Christmas. I mean, it's, 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 it's how to really move your family is what I've learned, so. But we just had our, uh, the first time we could get everyone together was September 9th, since uh, July 18th. 
So we just had this, uh, this wonderful, uh, wonderful time together and the giving of gifts and just celebrating uh, my delight and my joy in them. And one of the things that, that I find is, let's say that I were to, uh, I use this example every once in a while, let's say uh, my son Brian uh, heads up uh, Bethel Music and uh, I was just in uh, Miami uh, before coming here with uh, uh, King Jesus uh, Ministry with Apostle Maldonado and just had a great event. And Bethel Music was there for one night. It was just, you know, just all my buttons just popped. It was, <laughs> it was a glorious way to be exposed, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's say that I were to have a custom-made guitar for my son. And uh, I love his playing. I love the music that he writes. And they're, they're up for 14 Dove Awards. We, we could care less about awards, but we suddenly started realizing it's a measure of impact. And uh, so I, I just love his playing. I love his writing. I love his leading. I love him. Let's say I have this guitar made for him, and I, I go, I spare no expense. And I have this really nice guitar made for my son. And uh, the birth, my birthday comes around, and I, I present him with this guitar. It's a custom-made guitar. Everything I've researched, everything Brian likes about a guitar is in this one, everything. I give it to him, he's happy, he thanks me. I'm, you know, when you give a gift, your joy is in their joy, you know. And uh, so he opens it and he thanks me for it and plays on it for a moment and I could hardly wait till the next Sunday, you know. So he gets up to lead and let's just say I notice uh, he doesn't have the guitar. So I'm thinking, maybe he had to change strings or something. There must be something, so no worries. So he plays, and we worship, we celebrate Jesus together. And the next Sunday comes, and, and the guitar is missing. I say, hey, Brian, good job today. Yeah, by the way, where is that guitar that I got for you? If he were to say, he wouldn't do this, but if he were to say, oh, one of the team needed a guitar, so I gave it to him. Oh, <laughs> I didn't give that to you as seed. I gave it to you as bread. Wisdom is to know the difference. Because some things are put into our life for our delight because he takes pleasure in our delight. And sometimes we live under religious pressure that nobody puts on us, but it's just our hunger for God. You know, the people that have the greatest passion for God are usually the ones that tend to put themselves under the greatest pressure. But we put ourselves under pressure to be completely reliant on the Lord, which basically means we let everybody know we're living by faith so they can help us out. Not you, but I've heard of people doing this. <clears throat> Without the ability to actually celebrate something that's in the natural, because that natural gift is supposed to testify to us of the nature of God. The natural gift never is to become the idol. It's never to be taken out of its place of function in our life. Everything has a place of glory in our life. And when Israel took the... Um, 
what was it, the, uh, uh, oh, I forgot it, with, with, um, with Gideon, took that, that uh, breastplate, what was it? Somebody help me out, I, I totally slipped my mind. The ephod, thank you, the ephod. It was, it was a miracle sign for Israel. It was a testimony of God's absolute breakthrough for the nation of Israel. But the, the children of God began to worship it. They took it out of its assigned place of being that which pointed to the nature and heart and covenant of God, and they exalted it to a place where it in itself received adoration. See, God will release a lot into our lives if we know how to keep it in the assigned place of glory. It's when we, it's when we elevate out of his design, out of his place, that's perversion, it's the wrong version. We pervert the order of things that God has put in our life. So God does a lot of natural things for us to enhance our affection for a world we cannot see. I believe all that he does for us is to, is to deepen my affection, my burning heart for a world I cannot see. I want you to go to Luke chapter, um, how are we doing for time here? We're doing, we're doing all right, you guys all right? Go to Luke chapter three. And uh, let's see if I can just confuse you some more. We're going to read a couple of verses in chapter 3. How, how many of you have your Bibles? Let me see them. Say, say this with me. I love my Bible. <laughs> if it's electric, that's okay. It's all right. No, no guilt or shame. We actually had one of our guys was teaching out of the Gospel of John, and he had his, uh, forgive me, but I am, I am a, an, an Apple devotee. It's an apostolic ministry that we're a part of. So if you have something else, it's okay, because we need missionaries in the dark continents. So it's, it's all right, it's all right. But one of our, one of our classic, I was teaching in the Gospel of John, he's got his phone off, it's sitting to the side, and while he's teaching, Siri speaks up. Honestly, interrupts the class. And she says, in my realm, anyone can do anything. The prophetess Siri spoke. <laughs> this truth, that's what happened. All right, all right, let's, let's get on. <laughs> that's so bizarre. The whole class goes. Look at verse uh, 21. John, excuse me, Luke 3. Did I say John? I didn't say John, did I? Luke 3? Luke. Luke 3, 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. 
While he prayed, verse 21, the heaven was open. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. This particular portion of Scripture and this particular story in the last probably 10 years has been one of the primary stories for me uh, as a point of reference. In the same way that in our compass we have due north, there's this particular story. Because um, Jesus is eternally God. Sometimes people misunderstand me on this and, and freak out, but he's eternally God, eternally God. Never stop being God. But there's this great mystery in the gospel that he who is entirely God also became entirely man. And in doing so, he chose to live with the limitations of man dependent on the Father through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. This is where the Spirit of God came upon him. And by the way, it's an entire uh, uh, complete study in and of itself, but you can do this on your own. Authority comes from the commission. Power comes from the encounter. Jesus came to earth with the commission. He came to the earth with the assignment that he's to destroy the works of the evil one. So he came commissioned. But here is where he has an encounter with the Spirit of God as a man dependent on, on the Father. And this is where power begins its process until he gets into Luke 4 where he quotes Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord God has come upon me. So this is that season. So he has authority. He comes, he encounters the Spirit of God, comes upon him, remains on him like a dove, all right? So this dove stayed on, John uh, chapter two says, this Spirit of God, this dove came and rested upon him and remained. So it's an important part, he didn't come and go. It, was a con it wasn't a visitation, it was an ongoing habitation of presence. The Spirit of God was released upon Jesus through an open heaven. The heaven opened and the Spirit of God came. Is the Holy Spirit in you? Is the Holy Spirit in you? How did he get there? Through an open heaven. Most closed heavens for the believer is between the ears. It's a mental agreement to a lie. So in this particular passage, I, I like it for so many reasons, but one of the things that is important for us to see is he says, the heavens opened. And in, um, in Mark's gospel, this story, the word open there is a different word than is used in Luke's gospel. It says the heavens opened, and it's a word that is actually, was also used twice in Matthew 27 when Jesus died. How many of you remember when Jesus died, the veil in the temple was torn? That's the word for the open heaven. Torn. And in the same verse, it says, and the rocks around Jerusalem were split open. Same word used twice in one verse. So the veil was torn top to bottom, and rocks around Jerusalem were ripped open. That word is used in Mark 1 to describe what happened when Jesus came up out of the water. The heavens were, it, it represents a violent act. The heavens were torn open. This is an answer to the prophet Isaiah, his intercessory prayer in Isaiah 64 verse two. Rend the heavens and come down. 
It was fulfilled in that moment, and it's continuously filled, fulfilled every time a believer is filled with the Holy Spirit. Every time. It's not through a closed heaven. Let's, let's change the description a little bit. <clears throat> the Bible says that the Father is jealous for the Spirit who lives in me, jealous over the Spirit in you. What demonic power can block the fellowship between the Holy Spirit in you and the Father in heaven? Not going to happen. But what happens is we look at the darkness around it and we personalize it. We adjust our thinking, we adjust our awareness of God according to the dark circumstances around us, and we become defined by those instead of by the open heaven over us. What was the difference between Lot and Abraham? <clears throat> A lot of differences, but both were called righteous. The scripture says, Lot, a righteous man, was overcome, if you will, by the sensual conduct of unprincipled people. So picture this, Lot is at a time of extreme wickedness and the wickedness around him defined his own personal expression, opposite with Abraham. <clears throat> Both were considered righteous, but one's righteousness because of, for whatever reason, became influenced by the culture around him instead of an influencer to the culture around him. His light was turned inward. His was the light that was put under a bushel. But Abraham was different, and we've been called in Romans 4 to be like Abraham, to live in the, in the righteousness that comes by faith, that which was illustrated to us in Abraham's life. Are you guys all right? Everybody's still okay? All right, I'll try to see if I can find a, a landing place a few miles down the road. All right. So here we have the Holy Spirit descends like a, a, a dove, bodily form. The illustration I like to give, if I, if I literally have a dove on my shoulder and I don't want him to fly away, how am I going to walk around this room? Carefully is the most common answer and it, and it would be accurate. But every movement I make would be with a dove in mind. Every step I make, why? because everything is to protect what I value most. So Jesus now illustrates to us how was it 100% of the people he prayed for was healed. See, the value for the Holy Spirit is a value for the kingdom. <clears throat> a value for the Holy Spirit. The way we relate to the Spirit of God actually illustrates in measure my value for the kingdom of God. Back to Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the reality of the Spirit is what contains the manifestation of the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Two-thirds of the kingdom are felt realities. Righteousness is a positional reality that becomes behavior. But peace and joy, I don't have a verse for this, so give me some grace on this. But in my experience, <clears throat> joy is quiet peace, and peace is joy out loud. They are felt realities. And I understand you can't build doctrine out of experience. It's... it's 
it's common for us to get the emails and reports and everything about overemphasizing experience. There is a danger there, but people say you can be deceived. Yeah, if you don't have an experience, you're already deceived. Christianity is not a philosophy. It's a relational journey. I didn't get married so I could have a marriage certificate. I got married to the greatest woman I know so that I could spend the rest of my life on a journey discovering the king and his kingdom. What does it look like in this partnership? I got married to experience all the aspects of life in the context of marriage. That's why I got married. I didn't do it because it was philosophically fitting. I didn't do it because I had a space on the wall for a marriage certificate. I got it because of a relationship. And this that we have with God is the invitation to a relational journey. Seek first the kingdom of God. These things will be added. If they're not being added, <laughs> people will maybe say, uh, well, I, God just doesn't, he just doesn't seem to talk to me about what I want to talk about. Well, find out what he wants to talk about. Talk about what he wants to talk about Tell he wants to talk about what you want to talk about. It's another way of saying, seek first the kingdom and all of these things will be added. The issue is it is constantly a journey of decision. Do you know why Jesus doesn't show up in all of his glory when we worship? Because then worship is no longer a decision. He shows up in all of his glory. Everybody's on the face. Nobody will be suggesting, I think we should get on our knees. He withholds himself to give us occasion to bend and shape our will to kingdom purposes. It's like exercising a muscle. He gives us great measure and then he withholds. Great measure is never punishment. It's always to draw us into the development of will. <clears throat> All right. Verse uh, 1 of chapter 4. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, isn't that amazing? Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit at his water baptism. Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I have that part underlined was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will only lead you into conflict He has predetermined you to win. <clears throat> we don't hear good when we get anxious and fearful. So if we choose the fear thing, then we've increased the odds that we won't succeed like he had planned. But he has set the stage for victory. In Israel's day, there was a time where they were going towards an enemy nation, and the Lord said, they can beat them, 
but they don't think they can, so I'm going to take them this way. The point was, the implication is he'll only take me into a conflict I am equipped to win. By his perception, I have all the goods I need to win. That went over pretty good. Let's uh, <laughs> move. move back. That's too late. It's too late. I gave, you, I gave you a good chance. All right. Verse 2, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. In those days, he ate nothing. Afterwards, when they ended, he was hungry. I heard you guys have been on a fast. Has some of you guys been on a fast? I'm sure glad I wasn't here during the fast. I don't understand this verse, though. Afterward, he became hungry. I, I have fasted many times. I'm hungry the entire fast. <laughs> there is not a moment in the fast I'm not hungry. I have visions and dreams of food. And, it's, and it's, I've confessed it before, so well, it's not the first time. I, uh, last long fast I went on, I bought 29 cookbooks on the fast. because I'm planning the rest of my life around food. I feel like I'm about to die. I've got to have hope. I watch the Food Channel. It's the only time I hardly ever watch it, except when I'm fasting. Can I say, I religiously watch the Food Channel. It's like going to church for me. Benny says, why do you torture yourself? I said, I'm not torturing myself. I'm giving myself hope. I will live again. It's absolutely true. It's pitiful, but it's, it's true. I'm not tempted to break the fast. If I've decided something, I've decided it. But, but I need hope that I, that I will live again. All right, verse 3. And the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. What's the first temptation Jesus faced? It wasn't to make the stone into bread, it was to question his identity. What was the last thing the father said to him? You're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. If you don't understand this, you won't understand the nature of the warfare over our lives. Matthew 13, you study it on your own, but it talks about the seed and the sower. And it says this, when tribulation or persecution arises, listen to the phrase, because of the word. Tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. What does that mean? When God deposits a word in you, it invites conflict. The war over your life is over the words that have been released over you. I don't mean just prophetically, I mean just in the reading of Scripture. The words spoken over us attract conflict. If you don't understand that, you'll think you're doing something wrong. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants us to turn inward. He wants us to be full of self-evaluation and all this stuff, because then we're changing the subject where we actually think it's about us. I personally think Oftentimes, the people who deal with guilt and shame the most are the ones who have overemphasized their own role in their salvation. That was a really good point, Bill. That was just, it was, it was good. 
Listen, I chose him, but he chose me first. I love him only because he first loved me. Keeping perspective, keeping the order that he made, the order all things he made have glory. Keep it in its intended place and you'll do well. You reverse its place and that's where we have problems. So here he says, <clears throat> the devil comes to Jesus and said, if you're the son of God. So if he can get him to be unstable in his identity, then he can get him to misuse his authority. I heard somebody say recently, if he can get him to misuse, <laughs> to, <laughs> to be unstable in his identity, he'll misuse his authority. And so often we, we get riled up and try to use our authority to accomplish very things, but it comes out of fear. Everything we say and do is out of fear or love. It's the only two places in us, fear and love. So if I function out of fear, I'll always try to use what God's given me for my idea of his purposes instead of an actual expression of the kingdom. Are you alive? Yes. Still breathing? Yeah? All right. We'll, we'll try to end it here soon. <clears throat> so why does God allow conflict to come to a word he has said? If there is no conflict, you have no options. And if you have no options, there are no rewards. See, you gotta understand, he's a father. Jesus came to reveal, his primary revelation in coming to earth was to reveal the father. It's all through, beginning to end the Gospel of John, he came to reveal the father. So here's the father. The father, he says, he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Faith has two aspects, a confidence in the reality of his existence and his nature. People say all the time, well, I know he can do it. Well, so does the devil, he has that much faith. We've gotta move beyond religious agreement to a concept into a relational expression that says, I know his heart. So then the enemy raises a question over that destiny that you've been called into. Maybe there's a word over your life about healing ministry and anointing. And at first you see a few people healed, but then you have a close friend or a relative that dies. I don't believe God causes that stuff, but he's, he uses everything. And so the enemy comes along and, uh, and reminds you, that's quite a healing anointing we got there. Your mom died. What do you do? You got a choice. 
do I give the affection of my heart to the Word of the Lord that has all the power of heaven behind it, or do I give my heart to the Word of the enemy which only has the power I give it? See, he has no authority. Right? Jesus stood, Matthew 28, Great Commission, all authority has been given to me. That means there's somebody out there that has no authority. So, if he, if he has no authority, where is he going to get it? He has to get it from those who have it. Same way he did with Adam and Eve. He had no authority over the planet. So, he talked to them until they came into agreement, and he took the keys of authority that God had given them to be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. They took the keys. Jesus gave himself in sacrifice, went to the lower parts of the earth, took the keys back, announced to those who had died in faith in the Old Testament that they were now free, ascending to the Father, and he stands before the disciples, and in so many words, he says, I got the keys back. All authority's been given to me. All authority. And then he goes, now, go. So, if I have the authority then why would the enemy come to me? Because if I can come into agreement, then I've empowered him. When you believe a lie, you empower the liar. So the Lord allows, can we put it this way, two trees in the garden. One you can't eat from, why? There's a whole orchard of trees you can eat from, but there's one you can't eat from. Why? There's got to be some basis for reward. He's a father. See, that's what fathers do. We sometimes even give away gifts on our birthday. It's just what fathers do. We look for occasion. Anytime there's a healthy relationship with children and father, moms and dads are always willing to sacrifice their own needs and desires to bless their kids. That's the nature of parenting. You, you celebrate their victories, their triumphs. You never have to parade what it costs you. you. Never have to parade the sacrifice because it's, it's just instinctive. It's what you do. And he's a father. And this father brings us into a relational journey where we believe two things. He's, he exists and he rewards. And there's a lot of Christians that say, well, I'm not in this for the reward. Now, you will be. <laughs> there's a day coming where it's really going to matter. There's a lot of people that really don't think much about going to heaven because they have nothing invested there. You can't get all the reward here. If, honestly, you, we live for there and enjoy the bounty of the journey here. But the moment the bounty here becomes my ambition, I, I've just, I, does this make sense? I've just revealed the, the limits that I have in carrying the weightiness of what God's doing in the earth. So he's constantly inviting us into a place to measure, to test, see what can he carry, what can she carry. 
You know, the scripture is pretty clear that what he has planned to do is beyond all we could ask or think. That's not in heaven. That's a no-brainer. We know that. It's, it's in this life, his intention, because it says, according to the power that works within you. Look at it this way. Here's, here's my faith, and here's my imagination. I'll be uh, more than all we could ask. That's my prayer life, faith. Or think, there's my imagination. So God says, I'm going to exist and function outside of the reach of your greatest prayer of faith, your greatest day of faith you've ever had in your life, and beyond your wildest dream and imagination. This is where I'm going to dwell. And the connection of this place where I dwell to your reach is going to be according to how you let me work deeply in you, according to the power that works within you. The reach outside of you is going to be consistent with the reach inside of you. Internal realities become external realities. That's the nature of this kingdom. Internal realities. That's why Jesus could sleep in a storm and speak peace to it and watch it stop. Because the complete absence of chaos in here gave him the authority to bring the complete end to chaos out there. Internal victories become the model. So here we have, Jesus has this test, if you will, to just for a millisecond to question. I, I know it would seem silly, but it's what the enemy did. I don't understand it, but even Jesus was rewarded. Said he endured the cross for the joy set before him. All right, let's, uh, oh boy, I was hoping to be farther in this than I am. Um, I'll tell you what, go to John 15, and we'll just take two more verses, and then uh, I promise we'll, we'll land this plane in a safe place. I sometimes run it into the side of a mountain and just leave everyone, but today, yeah, today we'll land in a safe place. John 15. Actually, this is where I was hoping to be about 30 minutes ago, so. Oops. Oops. Oopsie. <clears throat> Four times in three chapters, we have a phrase repeated, almost exact, very similar. We're going to read two of them, but it's in John 14, 15, and 16, so four times in three chapters, all right? We'll read one, <clears throat> verse 7 of John 15. If you, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> going through puberty, it's, uh, it's, finally, <laughs> it's finally happened, and my whole family's rejoicing at this uh, experience. <clears throat> All right, let's try it again. Verse 7, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. You will ask whatever you desire, 
and it will be done for you. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified. <clears throat> Let me read it again. <laughs> you will ask what you, will, what you desire and it will be done for you. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. What is the fruit in this context? I believe in the fruit of character, but that's not the fruit in this context. The fruit in this context is answers to prayer. I owe him fruit. Instead of blaming God or blaming me, embark on the relational journey to breakthrough. People make a huge mistake by holding God hostage to answering one prayer. Well, if he would only do this, don't do that. That's, that's, it's really dumb because it restricts your opportunity to grow. Sometimes he'll start with the biggest prayer you pray, and sometimes he'll start with the smallest. But it's always a journey because he's always revealing his nature. He's always re revealing his covenant to us. Look at John 16, verse 23. In that day you uh, will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. It would be cruel of the Father to create a system of joy and then refuse to answer your prayer so you don't enter into it. He's, he's putting the weight of responsibility on us. Figure out how to do it so that you step into the fullness of joy. Proverbs 13, verse 12, I believe it is, says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire realized is a tree of life. Fulfilled dreams connects you to a tree of life. Tree of life reveals eternal purpose. You are designed to partner with God in such a way that your eternal purpose is manifested through fulfilled dreams. It'd be very easy at this point to reduce the Christian life to us getting our way. And we already learned by experience that doesn't work. But neither is he saying, in my opinion, neither is he saying when you learn to pray what I tell you to pray, then I'll answer your prayers. Because you're not a robot that is being programmed to speak like a parrot the right words. It's a relational journey where because of the journey, we pick up his dreams, we pick up his heart. I'd like to suggest that some of the greatest breakthroughs you'll see in your life <clears throat> were never given to you as a command. You discovered them 
in exploration. A woman touches Jesus' garment and was healed. He never told her to. And he didn't even bother explaining how it happened after it happened. See, faith explores. Fear doesn't, but faith does. Faith explores. I don't mean explores morality or ethics. I don't mean that. I mean it explores the heart of God. How does God work? Faith explores. Faith explores what it sees. Faith sees. So in her imagination, she's wondering. There's so much power on him, I wonder if I could sneak up behind him and just touch his clothing. I'm so embarrassed over my condition. I've already suffered enough shame. I'm just hoping, I'm not even supposed to be in the crowd, but I'm hoping if I could just kind of sneak in and just touch his clothing without him noticing, maybe I could get well. And suddenly power's released, Jesus stops, says, who touched me? This is one of the most profound stories for me in the Bible because Jesus is in conversation with people. People are pressing in around him, all kinds of stuff going on, and he still stayed conscious of the Spirit of God who was resting upon him. He could tell when the Spirit of God was released from him, not because he was lacking, but because he felt the flow. He was given the Spirit without measure, so that he was missing nothing. She stepped into an inheritance because she was willing to let her faith explore. I'd like to suggest that maybe some of the greatest things you and I will see in the days ahead will be because of our willingness to let faith explore. This is weird to me, and I, would, I, I don't, never teach on this, so what I'm about to say, so... I'll deny I ever said it. No, that's, that's, not, that's not true. <clears throat> I mean, we have, some, we have some folks around our world that just think of things that, that make me nervous. I'm surrounded by people that make me nervous, let's be honest. That's why I travel. Just get out of town. Just, get out of town. <clears throat> just, just kidding. So, so we got some folks, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll pray and see somebody with a hurt shoulder, and so they draw a human figure, and they'll draw like a red circle and a line over the left shoulder. <clears throat> and then they go downtown, and they just try to see who it might fit, and they come up to somebody and say, hi, my name's whatever. By any chance, do you have a problem with your left shoulder? And they go, yeah, I do. How did you know? And so sometimes God talks to us, here, hold this picture. And they hold the picture and they're healed. People say, where is that in the Bible? It's in Psalms 115. God does what he pleases. It's so funny because we like, 
we like lists, you know, the lists in the Bible. I think God made it to where there's nine gifts of the Spirit for those who like outlines. <laughs> I do. I think, I think he was just trying, to, just trying to help the accountants, you know, that, that like the three sets of three, and, and, uh, and it's just, it's beautiful. The lists in the Bible do not contain God, they reveal God. Several members of my family, back in the early days of Pentecost, early 1900s, uh, on into my grandfather was baptized in the Spirit in 1901, my grandmother in 1903, other members of the family later in the 20s and 30s. In fact, my aunt was baptized in the Spirit in Wigglesworth meeting, Smith Wigglesworth. But some of them had these unusual experiences, and when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they would start writing in perfect Chinese never having learned. We actually have photocopies of, of the writing, never having learned Chinese. And, uh, and so they, just, they held on to them, and uh, sometime later, a, a missionary from China came through and would read them, and it was all praise to God. It's not in the list, but it's consistent with the list. It's not in the list. It's consistent with the list. <laughs> Acts 2, verse 11 says, of those who were speaking in tongues, are they not all speaking of the mighty deeds of God? They heard them giving praise to God. This one just happened to be in print. People say, well, that's the devil because it's not in the Bible. Yeah, the devil doesn't have a habit of worshiping Jesus. It's going to happen. Every knee will bow. All right. I took the longest route possible to get where I wanted to go. But it's just because I don't get here often, so I just thought I'd exhaust you while I could. Here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the deal. I believe, and this is a, a dream of mine that I believe is accurate. I believe it's born of the Lord. It's a dream of mine to see the people of God dream again, consistent with his heart. Now, anybody can dream, I want my neighbor saved. We know God wants that too. That's not the point. The point is, is that my dreams become filled with his nature, the revelation of his heart, his covenant, that I start pursuing things. Why? Because he needs to be glorified through my answers. I want God glorified in the earth. I want him glorified. And as a side bonus, I get fullness of joy. He's designed this process to let me live in a way where extreme measures of joy pour over, pour over my life. It's because there are answers to prayer. I was designed for this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Desire realized answers to prayer is a tree of life. Tree of life is eternal purpose. It's in Genesis, Proverbs, and Revelation. Genesis what was, Proverbs what is, Revelation what's coming.
You and I were designed to feed from the reality of answers to prayer. You were born for this. I'll close with this. Answers to prayer reveal the resurrected Christ. Why don't you stand? Answers to prayer reveal the resurrection of Christ. I think this might be the longest I've taught in a long time. I, uh, I, uh, I'm here to wear you out is why I'm here. Yeah. Oh, goodness. The, uh, the invitation for a relational journey to discover how he would like to impact the world around us. It's the lifelong journey to see what I can carry in this lifetime. He said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father. So he's looking, what measure can I carry where everybody around me actually gives God the glory? Can I carry it in such a way the people are actually attracted, drawn to who he is. We owe him answers to prayer. If this were a financial class, I would tell you to have to diversify your investments. Since it's a subject of prayer, I want you to diversify your prayers. Always have many working for you, because then you'll always be encouraged with answers. But if you hold God hostage to answering that one prayer for that one family member, you are rejecting the journey of faith where you can see that breakthrough. Did you get that or did I just go past my time? I just went past my time. Yeah, you, don't, you don't have to clap. I'm just saying, did you get it? So you diversify your investments. Pray for, this. Pray for things that will probably happen anyway. I'm, I'm serious. Pray for things that might not happen. Pray for things that won't happen. Pray for things that are impossible. Diversify your investments. so that you always have checks coming in the mail. <laughs> Answers to prayer, you stay encouraged. We need it, we need encouragement. Let's grab a hand once again. That person on your right and left really needed to hear this tonight. <laughs> they really did, and you, you know they needed it. And so I want you to pray and ask God to help them because they really need the help. Awaken the adventure, awaken the dream, awaken the anticipation of what's possible. Restore us to your dream on earth as it is in heaven.
Okay, you're praying good prayers, and I want you to pray them out loud. Save your quiet prayers for Starbucks. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord God. Restore the dreams for the impossible things, God. Restore the dreams for the impossible. The courage to dream and pursue again. Now put your hand on your heart and pray for the person who really needs the help. <laughs> pray with the same zeal, honestly. Pray for yourself. Help me, God, to be courageous in my prayer. Help me to see clearly. Help me to be unafraid of the conflict that the Word causes. I embrace it as a privilege. I want to bear much fruit in prayer. I want to bear much fruit in prayer. I want you to be glorified in what I pray. I want you to be honored in bringing about the answer. I want the resurrection of Jesus to be known in all the earth through answers to prayer, through miracles. Amen. All right. We're going to uh, we're going to take a couple more minutes. Do you remember when Jesus walked up to a fig tree and he cursed it because it didn't have fruit out of season? That's one of my favorite stories. I like the weird stories in the Bible. And that, that to me qualifies. In Judges where they chopped up the lady in 12 pieces and put her on donkeys, sent her all over. That's another favorite story. I like, <laughs> I just like, I just like the weird stories, you know. So Jesus walks up to a fig tree and there's no figs. And the Bible's clear because it wasn't the season for figs. And then Jesus cursed it. I've heard people say, well, Jesus had bad days too. Yeah. Some pretty cool teachings on it. There's one out there on fig tree being Israel. And I don't know, I, I tend to believe whoever I heard last. <laughs> but one thing I do know Jesus is the only one who has the right to expect fruit of the impossible. He has made it possible for us to enter into a reality where there are no limits. So, Father, I pray for us as a company of believers. I'm so thankful for this privilege of being together. 
And I'm asking now for an exponential increase that some of you have been praying for years for family members who are not walking with the Lord. Father, we pray right now that you would release ministering spirits, the angels of God, into these households, and there would be a rich harvest. The next three months would bring the greatest harvest of lost family members that we have ever seen. Let this be the season where the confession of Christ is multiplied in our households over and over and over again. Who, who is there here that has, um, I saw a picture during worship, a little girl, seven, eight, nine years old, maybe, uh, pigtails. Um, she has uh, something very, very seriously wrong with her. And your household, your family's been praying for her to have a miracle. Is that you back over here? I want some of you just to gather around her and find out what it is. Pray intelligently and declare the word of the Lord. Because I don't believe the Lord Jesus would show that condition tonight unless there was full intention to reverse its effect. So we declare that in Jesus' name. Yeah, you guys just pray for it. Yeah, release that presence, that power of God to bring about the impossible, to bring about the miracle. Yeah, we, we declare that in Jesus' name. Does the name Peggy Lee, is there anybody here with the name Peggy Lee by any chance? I heard that name earlier too. Does that make sense to anybody, Peggy Lee? Wait, wave your hand at me if it does. If not, no worries. Pe Peggy, Peggy Lee. All right. I like it. I like hearing prayer. You know, if a prayer doesn't move you, it won't move him. You got to pray from a deep place. It's deep calls to deep. You got to pray from a deep place. It's got to move us. Amen. Extend your hand. Let's just pray. For, and then we're going to pray for a few people and then we're going to go home. All right. Extend your hand there. We just declare the miracle working power of Jesus. Reverse, uh, if it's a medical condition, whatever the situation is. We just declare the healing work of Jesus and this little girl right now in Jesus' name. Let there be a reversal in Jesus' name. A reversal in Jesus' name. Creative miracles. Lord, we call for creative miracles, even in this room now. Uh, anyone here with uh, missing an eardrum, we just declare that he makes all things new. All things new. Amen. Go ahead and sit down. We're going to do it. take just a few minutes for this, and then we'll let you go. I want to have the team come on up here. Michael, if you can help me with this. If you need to go, you've been free to go all night. I, I should have told you at the beginning, if you get through before I do, just go home. You know, I, I should have also given you a warning. I preach the eternal gospel. All right, just line up right here, and let's do this real fast. What they're going to do is they're going to call out a condition. As soon as you hear something that is a condition you have, put a hand up. You don't need to stand. Don't come to the front. Just put a hand up. If I don't see you, you still have permission to get healed. All right? Let's, do, let's just do this quickly, all right?
Okay, does that make sense? Okay, right over here. All right. Next, go ahead. And I felt that there is someone with a, inf something related to urinary tract. Maybe it's related to your kidney or prostate or s some kind of trouble with urination. Okay, U urinary tract infection, anything of that nature. We have some over here. All right, go ahead. Back over here. All right, go ahead. Something on the arm, on the left arm. The and forearm. Is, is it this part forearm. here? Forearm. Okay, is the issue with the forearm, left arm? Okay, right here. Go ahead. And something uh, that has to do with the spine, but to the left. The left side. From the middle down. The left side of the spine, middle down. Oh, goodness, we've got one, two, three, four right together. Now, that's fine. Everybody in the room can get healed. But whenever there's a bunch together, that's a, that's a natural, it's a coincidence, which is often the language of the Spirit. So you look for common things like that because it, it helps, helps you to see how he's moving, what he's doing. So I've got great confidence for the staff. Go ahead. I feel like God is healing people that have um, issues with their front teeth, whether it's um, infection, root canals, even if your gums um, are sensitive and bleeding. Okay. Front, uh, front part of the mouth, gun sense, gum sensitivity. Okay, go ahead. Also, I feel like someone that has had a, an accident or something has a dent in their face. Does that make sense to anybody? Any kind of an accident or a blow to the face where it may not even be visible, but there's, a, there's, there's an issue there of a, a blow to the side of the face. Does that make sense to anybody? Does anybody want that one that, uh, no, sorry. sorry, sorry. <laughs> my, 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 my mistake, sorry. Bad time for humor, sorry, sorry. All right, go ahead. Yeah, I feel right elbow, uh, something that wasn't meant to be there, metal, I feel. Metal in the, in, the, in the right elbow. Is there anybody that has any kind of metal, artificial stuff, any kind of a, a surgical implant or something that's not supposed to be there in that right, right elbow? Right over here? Okay. Right. Is there another one? All right. Go ahead. And then pain in the left shoulder. Okay. Pain, left shoulder. All right. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I heard infertility, so those who are trying to get pregnant. I also... Um, all right, if, if um, uh, I don't mind people raising their hand, but sometimes there's an embarrassment, so just stand when everybody else stands. Go ahead. Yeah, um, particularly to the trauma of miscarriage with that one. Uh, and then the second thing I heard was uh, stomach disorders, in particular food allergies, glucose intolerance. Wow, all right, all right. We got four, five more now this time. That's good. We're gonna, we, we just had some, we've had twice now in just recent uh, days of people healed of peanut allergy. One couldn't touch one, has not touched, been able to touch a peanut his entire life. And, uh, and we called out the, the word of knowledge. Somebody brought him a peanut. He touched it, rubbed it all over his skin. Nothing happened, so he ate it. And it's completely... <laughs> This man of faith was a little nervous on that one. I thought, so you could die? Is that what you're telling me? Great, thank you. Go ahead. Um, I felt like somebody having a heart issue. Okay. Like any kind of heart issue. Any, any, anything specific yeah. on the heart issue? Yeah, heart issue. Okay, but anything specific about the heart? Just, um, just general, okay. Yeah. Anybody with a heart, a heart issue? All right, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I feel there's uh, people in here with uh, numbness in their fingers and loss of sensation. Okay. Yep. All right. And also um, struggling to bear weight on their soles of their feet. 
Does that make sense? Very specific. Hard to bear weight on the soles of your feet. Okay, all right, we have several. Uh, some, some people who are battling suicidal thoughts, something that is tormenting you to a Suicidal thing. issues. Yeah. Re reoccurring thing. All right. All right. All right. And this thing tonight. issues with your ears, either tinnitus or your eardrums. Okay. Tinnitus. Okay. All right. We've got several. All right. Uh, uh, people who have um, pain in their right wrist. Yeah, in their right, right. wrist. Just quickly put your hand up. All right. Go ahead. And also, um, if you are born with a condition that doesn't, that causes you not to see clearly with your vision. Mm. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. It's the right knee, but also it's like uh, your neck uh, popped during worship or during service. Okay. Does that relate? To, all right. All right. Go ahead. Awesome. Go ahead. I feel like the Lord is breaking cycles of eating disorders and also restoring um, the trauma from eating disorders if you've come out of it, um, restoring okay. like gut issues. All right, right here. All right. Beautiful. Awesome. Beautiful. All right. Go ahead. Um, really bad headaches or migraines that are like so painful that you just can't function. Um, possibly from like either a tumor or just like a trauma that happened with the head. Um, and then. Okay, we start with just the, the migraines. How many of you uh, suffer? How many of you have, you have one tonight? Put your hand on it. Just lift it up. You have one tonight? Yeah, put your hand on it. The one behind you, put your hand on your head. Just lift it off. Just to clear over the sins tonight. Yeah, all right, go ahead. Just finish. And then the right shoulder, particularly the rotator cuff. Okay. Quick. All right. Go ahead. Uh, a brain tumor. Uh, I feel like there's a, a child or someone's child that has a brain tumor. Is there anyone here that has that or you have a relative at home brain tumor? Okay. Back up here. Okay. All right. Go ahead. And you cannot extend your right arm. Oh, okay. All right. Right over here. All right. Got a couple. Partial or um, partial hearing in your left ear, or full deaf in your left ear. Uh, okay, partial or total loss of hearing, left ear, okay. And then a numbing pain on your left ankle and bridge of your foot. All right, very specific. Does that make sense? Right back here, there's two, all right, all right. And then I was hearing, um, like, you have flat feet, no arches in your feet. We need the golden arches tonight, there we go. <laughs> That's, that's amazing. We, we had, I think it was like 19 one night. We had one girl healed, and then she just started praying for everyone. They, all, they were all getting healed. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Uh, and, then, and then like floaters in the eyes, where it's just like you're constantly seeing them. Floaters? Wow. It's an epidemic. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I felt there's someone here you've got... An issue with the spine, the actual spinal cord, it's lower thoracic, the middle of the back. Does that make sense to anybody? Okay, all right, we've got several. Yep. Okay. All right, and also someone has got an issue with a, an infection in a bone or oh. the complications thereof. Okay, does that make sense to anyone? An infection in a bone. Um, <laughs> What may happen on this one is you may talk with a family member or friend 
and you find uh, them describe it that way. And when they do, just understand you were set up. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, we don't want to make it happen, but I want you to look for it because it's a very specific word. When the Lord gives something like that, it oftentimes will have immediate effect afterwards. So, so look for that. Go ahead, Michael, anything else? All right. Is there, anyone, uh, is there anyone here that has hearing loss? I believe it was the right ear, but I guess there's only two options. Um, hear, <laughs> hear, hearing loss because of a sickness, a disease, a, a fever, something happened where there was, there was hearing loss. Is there anybody who has that? Back, back over here. Okay. Right here. All right. Everyone to put your hand up for anything, stand up. If you can. Obviously, there's some that physically can't stand, so we'll just have you raise your hand at the appropriate time. Wow, look at all these people. I wonder if God actually wants to heal them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when we call out words of knowledge, all we're doing is saying, this is what Jesus has said he wants to do. And so with the same confidence as though Jesus were standing in front of you, calling out your condition, with that same confidence, we stand now and we're going to pray. We're going to pray very simply and very briefly. Here's what I need from the rest of you that are sitting. Those of you that are sitting, some of you are saying, well, I have a condition that wasn't called out. We have seen people healed as they prayed for someone else. So it's like, it's called collateral blessing. It's like a bomb goes off. It affects a lot of people, but it's positive. All right. So probably not the best example, but you got the point. I want all of you that are standing, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and keep it up until somebody comes to you. Those of you that are sitting, go to those who are standing and uh, have them put their hand down, but don't start praying till I tell you to, all right? Because I got to make sure everybody's covered, all right? If you're standing, put a hand up. You guys go find them. Go, go, go. Okay, look around. I, I'd rather not have husbands and wives pray for each other. You've already done that. I want you to have fresh meat. Okay, as soon as somebody laid hands on you, put your hand down. And if you're about to pray for someone that still has their hand up, would you pull it down for them? Okay, look around, look around the room. We still have a lot of people with hands up. There we go. I like to see that. Crawl over chairs and get them. Come on. All right, we, shh, don't start yet. We still have, goodness, we've got five or six in the back here. Yeah, so we need to get, if there's like three or four praying for one person, I need somebody to split off and, man, we've got, oh, goodness, we have a whole bunch. We may have to have the sick pray for the sick is what we may need tonight, <laughs> which we had, had to do that before. All right, right back here, we need, we need several right there. We've got one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people in a row. Two more, oh, goodness. You know what? There are so many hands raised. If you have a hand up and you're standing next to somebody who has a hand up, turn to them and just say, I'll pray for you if you pray for me. We'll, we'll, we'll just try to do it that way. And honestly, I, I kind of thought that might happen because there were so many with their hands raised. Okay, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I realize that most of you can do this without any help, but I want us to be on the same page. You need to find out what the problem. Those of you that are receiving prayer, keep it as short as you can. They don't need your full medical history because you will depress them. <laughs> That's not the goal, all right? Just honestly, give them a target. I injured my left shoulder, whatever it might be. Those of you that are doing the praying, shh, shh, not yet. I'm glad you're eager, but wait. Shh, don't, 
don't start yet. After you've given them the target, those of you that are doing the praying, the simplest way, it's not the only way, but the simplest way is lay your hands on the problem if it's an appropriate place to put your hand. In California, we have to give these kinds of details. Put your hand on the problem. As you pray, become aware of the heart of God for them and speak to the problem, all right? So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come with power. Once again, glorify the name Jesus. Glorify the name Jesus through miracles, signs, and wonders. Amen. Find out how to pray. Pray intelligently. Yes, Lord, increase the anointing for breakthrough. We speak to the loss of hearing. Be restored now in Jesus' name. Tinnitus, be gone. Depart from them now in Jesus' name. Tumors, dissolve now in Jesus' name. We speak to the muscle, to the tissue. Be restored in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, you got about 30 seconds. We give you praise, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. We give you thanks, Lord. Okay, about five seconds. All right, you did good. End your prayer, but stay with the person. No hit and run. All right, now give me your attention. Just give me your attention. On your own, you obviously don't need to do this, but I, I want us to be on the same page. When you pray for somebody, most of the time, it's inappropriate to just pray and leave. Sometimes we actually help them to walk through what the Lord's just done. Because we, we actually only have maybe half of the people who get healed feel it happen. Which means there's another half that don't know it until they start checking themselves out, doing something. Some of them require a blood test or whatever, which we encourage. I want everyone that received prayer, this next step I think was, is as important as was the prayer. And that's where we put just simple faith into an action and you examine yourself. I just want you to try to do something you couldn't do. If it was bending a certain way, lifting, if, if uh, your head was in pain and it's moving your head sharply, whatever it might be, don't injure yourself, but try to do what you couldn't do, all right? Try to move in a way you couldn't move. All right. Now listen. Shh. 
if you're at least 80% better, I want you to wave both hands over your head like this. Both hands, till your arms cross. Look at that, wow. Come on. Beautiful. All right. All right. <laughs> Some of you may be praying for a relative or friend. Send them a text because we actually have miracles happen through text messages. If you heard a word tonight, send them a text. Now, I want you to turn, I want you to pray again. Unless they're 100% better. If they're 100%, leave them alone because you might mess them up. Just, <laughs> just pray. Pray the simple prayer of faith. Turn and pray again, and then we'll wrap this up, all right? Speak to the problem. Now, Lord, we look for creative miracles tonight. It should restore the nerve damage in the ears tonight. The missing eardrum. Lord, we call for creation of eardrums. All things made new. The arthritic condition in the neck wasn't called out, but just began to move your neck around. We call for the vertebra in the neck to be made new. The degenerative condition in the, in the joints we declare this ends tonight. We call for creative miracle in Jesus' name. Okay, maybe 30 more seconds and we'll end this. <clears throat> All right, you did good. You did good. Go ahead and end the prayer. Now, Everyone, examine yourself and see what the Lord has done. I realize some of you actually need to eat something or have a blood test, whatever. Do whatever you need to do. But uh, right now, if you're able to check yourself, some of you, you asked for prayer because of infertility. You'll have to give that testimony later. But, uh, but we celebrate in advance with you, all right? Everyone that is at least 80% better tonight Wave both hands over your head like this. <clears throat> Look around the room. It's beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful. Now, I'm going to ask you to sit down. Ask you to sit down. You guys did so good. Thank you. I, I can tell this is a faith room. It's good. Michael, if you could get that. Now, we're going to dismiss in a moment, but I need to hear from at least three people something. Now, every healing is significant. Let me add something else. Some of you will wake up tomorrow and discover you were healed. My favorite story in this regard, we've had people, deaf ears open two days later. We've had all kinds of stuff happen an hour later, 10 minutes later, later, you know, that morning when they woke up. But my favorite story is a Randy Clark story where someone was um, 
Their eyes were burned out with acid. They'd been blind for years and just scar tissue over the eyes, blind. Somebody prayed over this man for a long time and nothing happened. He woke up the next morning blind, woke up the next morning blind, but on the third morning, he woke up with two brand new eyes. Third morning. Wow, come on. So my approach is this. You know, we see some things. I, my favorite is the explosive immediate. But, but I've, I've walked in this thing too long to not appreciate the seed that grows into the oak tree I prayed for, the acorn that grows into. And sometimes it's several hours, several days. My approach is it's impossible to pray and have nothing happen. So my job is to try to find out what's, what is he doing, all right? So I'd like to have at least three people that something real significant that you could test, challenge, uh, took place in your body tonight. I would like for you to come up here to Michael and he will give you a chance to give testimony. You gotta be ready to brag on Jesus, come on. See, whenever you give testimony, you're actually releasing a prophetic word that reveals the nature and covenant of God and his commitment to do it again. So I'm gonna have at least three people up here um, that will give testimony. Don't ever withhold testimony. You say, well, I don't want people to look at you. Look at me. Now get over it. <laughs> Let them see your good works and glorify your Father. So just give it. That's a good three. I like how you count. This is good. All right. Go ahead, Michael. Just start. What, what did Jesus do for you? So I had a really bad pain in my shoulder. I couldn't even lay on it last night. These guys laid hands on me and it shifted and now it's, there's no pain. I can do push-ups and everything. No pain. That's good. Yeah, good. 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 Well, bring him up here. Bring him up here. Good. So um, for the past like five years, I've had really bad pain in my back and I found out, uh, I got an x-ray and I found out it was because it wasn't curved properly. Um, and I've had people pray for me, you know, a few times and the pain always came back, but, um, a gentleman over there prayed for me and I bent over and I moved around and it was completely gone. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really significant to me about 15 years ago. He'll hold the mic for you. I had, I know, I'm like, it's amazing. I had a funeral I went to in Louisiana, and my son had a helicopter toy. We just went to a park afterwards. He, re he, said, he said, look, Mom, I didn't even have a chance to turn. I had a helicopter hit me in the eye, plastic, but it actually, wow. I had a hyphema and a laceration, and I had just started a 12-week Bible study, and I got a phone call from the guy in charge from my church. I couldn't see, I was, it was completely black, I was blind in one eye. The guy that called me, he actually, I said, are you kidding me, Steve, you're calling me. How in the world, God, what are you doing? Because what happened is he had a glass eye. I couldn't complain, I couldn't be a victim, but I couldn't see out of my eye. And the doctor said, there's nothing we can do. And my pupil is huge, it's, it's enormous, and I can't, it, it, can't, it actually is compensating for the other eye. So I can't read anything without glasses. 
And I just sat there as two faithful people were praying for me and everything in my heart about how I told the devil, you can steal my eyesight, but you cannot take my vision. And as they prayed for me, I was just asking God to restore my vision. I don't care about my eyesight. I won't care, but I just want my vision back. I want to be able to see the things that you have for me. (laughs) And they said, test it. And I opened my book without my glasses. And the page that I read, it says, Orlando Praise Vision Orlando. So she couldn't read that before. That's amazing. So I don't care if it looks bad. I don't care if the dilation yeah. is, if it's yeah, huge. Yeah. I don't, don't care. Don't say I can that. See. Don't say it because we want it fully restored. Fully restored. Fully restored. Perfect. Amen. Thank you. Vision Orlando. Come on, Jesus. That's so cool. Well, what did he do for you? I've always had a problem with my gums and my teeth have been real loose and I've had surgery and it's, nothing's really worked. And uh, when, when the young man prayed for me, I had this tingling. And then you asked him to pray again. And then he prayed again and my wife says that my teeth are tighter, they're already together. Oh, better goodness. than they were. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, I've always had trouble with flat-footedness and just walking properly. Um, my knees would actually uh, be more extended outward, like just, I guess, in an awkward position. Um, it'd be hard for me to walk or even do simple jobs with my back. Um, and so uh, this lady prayed for me in the back, and um, I just remember the Lord saying, look for the healing, not for the pain. Um, and so I just like looked for the healing and I felt my right arch raise. The left one had already gone the first time we prayed and the second one the second time we prayed. So. Wow. So how, how's your back? Beautiful. What did he do for you? Um, for about four years, I've had a sciatic pain down my right leg all the mm-hmm. way to the center of my foot. And I actually got healed here a year ago, but it came back. But And I've done six weeks of physical therapy and steroids and chiropractors. And it's not terrible, but it's really annoying pain all the time. And they prayed for me tonight, and I completely put my hands on the floor with no pain. Okay, one more. What did he do for you? Oh, boy. Well, I have improved hearing, but it's, can I tell the story? Because it involves all of you. Okay. I was here a few weeks ago. And I've been battling this plugged ear, and, and I do know the word, and I'm, I believe in Jesus as healer, but it's been a journey. I like the instant ones, too, but this one hasn't been instant. So last Sunday, I wasn't able to be here, and I watched it on um, my Apple TV. And... <laughs> 
I didn't say that intentionally. <laughs> but Michael um, was talking about Rosh Hashanah and how special it was going to be and everything, and I just, I just latched onto that, and I just, there was testimonies of miracles, and I just said, Lord, I'm, I'm just claiming, I know you're my healer, you will do it, and I will wait for you to do it. I want it right now, but I will wait. So that night, in the middle of the night, oh, and by the way, I was diagnosed with a growth in my ear, right. okay? So my hearing's very impaired, but I had a growth in there, and they said the only way to get it out was surgery. Now, I wasn't going to have surgery, but then... What I, happened tonight? Yeah. So anyway, I went... So in the night, Jesus told me I was healed. So I'm thinking it's going to happen on Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. I went to the second specialist on Monday, and he comes in, and he examines my ear, and he leaves, and he comes back, and he's talking to me, and he wants to do this and this. And I said, well, what about this coleosteratoma, you know? He said, oh, you don't have that. And I said, I don't have that? And he said, no. He said, there's nothing in your ear. Beautiful. You have no growth in your ear. Beautiful. So, but I didn't have fully restored healing, and he, I didn't receive his evil report either. So tonight, about four people over there prayed over me. You had a word of knowledge. Somebody else had a word of knowledge. And my hearing is improved. And I believe when I go back in six months, I'm going to have perfect hearing. Amen. Amen. Just stand. Everyone that was healed, put a hand up. If you were healed of more than one thing, put two hands up. If you're more healed of more than two things, good luck with that. <laughs> I think we ought to give a shout of thanks to the Lord. Bless the Lord. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.